Hello, and welcome to our, at any rate, Emerging Market Focus podcast, a place for us to discuss recent developments and key issues of focus in the Emerging Market Fixed Income Asset Class. I'm Johnny Goulden from the Emerging Market Strategy Team here at JP Morgan, and I'm joined by Saad Siddiqui, also from our Emerging Market Strategy Team. Saad, thanks for joining. Hi, good to be here. So after last week's action-packed macro data policy developments, uh, which got crammed uh, into that week, this week has actually been relatively quiet. EM markets have overall clearly liked the topping out in US yields and subsequent rally back. And actually, we've seen um, EM local markets the outperformer, we've returned a touch under 3% in the last one week, uh, with EM currencies about one and three quarter percent stronger uh, against the dollar and local bond yields uh, about 20 basis points lower, obviously, uh, in sympathy with the move that we've seen in US rates. For EM credit, we've also had total returns which have been positive, about 2% for EM sovereign credit and about 1.3% for corporates. But this has actually been driven a lot more by the move in US rates lower rather than credit spreads. Credit spreads are only about 10 basis points lower um, in the last week, actually wider in the last couple of sessions. So really not a big uh, credit spread move at all. Uh, we turned more positive on EM currencies last week, as we discussed in the podcast. Um, but overall, I would say so far, it doesn't feel like a runaway rally uh, at the moment after some big uh, initial moves. So we'll try and discuss the various moving parts uh, in this week's podcast. Donnie, last week, we were speaking about how the the Fed meeting and the Treasury funding announcements could prove to be a turning point or a circuit breaker for what has been or what was a relentless sell-off in treasuries since the summer. What's happened in the past week since then? What are the key things to highlight on the macro front? So really, uh, the big one, I think, for for markets generally and EM generally was uh, the uh, US labor market report last Friday. we were already partly through a, a rally on the back of the Fed and, and the Treasury's funding announcement, as you mentioned, but uh, we had a set of data there, which was quite helpful for the EM assets. It, it sort of reinforced the narrative uh, the Fed sort of have, which is that the data is softening, but not breaking, um, less of an inflationary tilt in uh, some of the wage data and so less need of a, a sort of hawkish stance from the Fed, which is what we had had already uh, during the week. Um, so we had, uh, you know, a strong rally after that on Friday post those payroll numbers, which had continued what we'd seen earlier in the week. Uh, I would say there was also a bit of, you know, within EM, some nervousness uh, on Friday ahead of a key speech in the Middle East, but uh, that ended up and uh, not being as as escalatory as as some people had feared uh, as well. So all told, the week sort of rounded out with continuing that that risk on tone. Um, other than that, this week really it's uh, a, a lot less of that and a bit more idiosyncratic there. Uh, and and maybe that's a good way to turn back to you, Saad, and, and talk about EM itself. Um, you know, what would you highlight in the last week as some of the key developments that, that we and markets have been focused on? So on the local market side, I don't think there has been something which has been very major 
are dramatic, but there have been a few moving parts taking place at the country level. So we had a Polish central bank meeting. They surprised hawkishly by leaving rates unchanged. The markets were expecting a rate cut. And maybe we can start joining the dots now that we are seeing uh, you know, a trend of central banks that are less dovish or more hawkish than markets have been expecting. Uh, that's ta been taking place in all regions now across emerging markets. So it started with Asia, where you had surprise hikes. And generally, it seems we are on a, uh, you know, uh, more central banks are hiking there, whether it's Indonesians or in, in Thailand. Uh, we had it in Chile, for example, where that last meeting saw less cuts than expected and also a cessation of the FX purchase program of the central bank. And now Poland in CEMEA following suit as well. So and I think the reasons behind the central bank cautiousness is in a sense um, a risk management mindset rather than central banks trying to think about you know, what they usually think about, which is what's their forecast for inflation and kind of normalizing rates back to uh, where, where they think they need to get to. Uh, and I think that risk management mindset has really been deeply entrenched across the board because we've seen over the past couple of years how you know, events and various shocks can end up becoming a lot larger than what central banks think. And after having done a lot of the hard work in getting inflation under control, I think for central banks, the priority is less about you know, necessarily normalizing rates as, as fast as they can, but not having to go through the trauma of the kind of record rate hiking cycles that they had to go through over the past one to two years. Uh, so that's been, I think, an interesting development. I, I wouldn't extrapolate it too much though, because as some of these risks fade, I think central banks will be able to pivot back to a more dovish stance, but investors, I think, will find some uh, reassurance in the manner with which central banks will proceed here, that they're not necessarily going to do something that uh, will you know, undermine uh, the carry on the currencies in, a, in an imprudent way. The other important factor, more externally, is on the commodity prices front, and we have seen oil prices fall quite significantly. We're now, you know, on on Brent uh, back to uh, you know the eighty level. We'd fallen a little bit below eighty as well uh, this week, um, and I think what's happened here is that the risk premium that was was kind of built into oil at the onset of the war in the Middle East uh, has been rapidly eroded now because the markets have taken the view that you know, global oil supplies don't seem at imminent risk as a result of this conflict. And then you had these kind of weaker PMIs, um, especially in Europe that uh, are, uh, you know, I think that the demand side is therefore weighing on, on oil prices. So that should take away some of the acute inflationary concerns that might have been brewing for central bankers when oil was at $95 back in, in late September uh, and kind of supports the view that 
maybe this more kind of cautious stance by central banks isn't, uh, you know, going to last, you know, they're going to, you know, start cutting again, uh, once these risks subside in their minds. Thanks. So coming back to one of the themes that you talked about, which is almost this hawkish shift in, in central banks uh, in EM, you know, we one of the reasons that, that we've sort of preferred FX as a relief rally trade here than, than uh, local bonds is partly because of that. And yet FX had a bit of a muted move after this uh, gap tighter that we saw, gap better that we saw last week. But with bond yields, they actually continuing to dribble a bit lower here in EM in, in a sort of more steady way. So why do you think that, that sort of we're seeing that performance in, in local bonds, even though central banks um, have been maybe a bit more hawkish? And, and what do you think has been going on in the last week? Sure. So uh, I guess one of the risks when we have a weekly podcast is that there's a temptation to maybe overinterpret, um, you know, asset price moves that could just be a little bit noisy rather than giving us a lot of signal or something to extrapolate. But I'm going to succumb to that temptation anyway and, and attempt to give a, uh, a, kind of a fundamental or, or some type of rationale to what's been happening over the past week. Um, I think as far as rates are concerned, you know, clearly treasuries have been rallying. So they're dragging down EM bond deals alongside them. Uh, interestingly, the shorter ends of EM curves aren't necessarily repricing all that much. So to me, it does seem that this is still about that term premium or risk premium move, you know, kind of more broadly. Um, it's hard to say how much further that's going to go, but I think we shouldn't forget that you know, those supply concerns that were, um, you know, all, all prevailing over the last month or so, they haven't necessarily fully gone away. Yes, the Treasury funding announcement suggested that there's a bit of tweaks going on, but it's still very much there in the background. Quantitative tightening by the Fed is still very much there in the background. So, you know, I wouldn't necessarily run away with that. Um, at the same time, in our own uh, views, uh, we have thought that where you had the largest sell-offs taking place in emerging market bonds over the past couple of months, it was really in Latin America where you had quite a bit of underperformance taking place. Um, so we've taken that opportunity, for example, to express a more bullish view on Colombian local bonds, for instance, where we thought there was some excessive risk premium build up. So there is quite a bit of differentiation still taking place. As far as currencies are concerned, you know, there is what's happening to um, commodities prices. So oil coming lower, um, some of the platinum group metals as well, which impacts South African rand. Um, you know, we had a, a more bullish view on that. We, we've um, uh, clearly, you know, gone a little bit more um, uh, kind of neutral there uh, on the view that you know, these commodity price moves in the short term at least can whip around FX. But I think we shouldn't ultimately lose sight of the bigger picture here, which is that those currencies that we like, and that's still very much those, those uh, countries and uh, currencies that have got double digit nominal rates that have got very high real interest rates, 
are still both in terms of their valuations and, and the carry on offer uh, looking attractive uh, to make uh, decent total returns. But that's on the FX side. Uh, what about EM credit where spreads really haven't tightened as much as one might have expected to given the rally uh, in treasuries? Um, so why, what's, what's going on there? Why haven't there been better performance? Yeah, so there's one, I, I would say, sort of minor technical factor to get out of the way is that you often have a lag in spreads on large moves lower in US yields. And that's partly due to the way EM bonds trade, which is they tr tend to trade on price terms. And so when US yields go down, prices go up anyway, and, and the market can lag a bit in how much of the spread move comes in. Um, so what you often will then have is once treasury yields stabilize, then the move higher, which continues from there mechanically, ends up being a move lower in spread. So I, I don't discount that we might still get some of that. Um, but there's also the fact that spreads just didn't widen too much uh, in the move higher in US yields since the summer, and so don't have that much to retrace. And that's in contrast, let's say, to EMFX, which did have a meaningful sell-off. Um, and some of that is, makes sense because part of the move, and, and we've discussed this in previous podcasts, part of the, the genesis of this move higher in US yields was a sort of normalization of the view around the business cycle and where the US yield curve and term premium should be in an environment where US data just continued to be better. Uh, and that economic scenario is sort of a shift towards the middle of the distribution, and that's an okay place for credit. So yes, returns get hit and there were some funding concerns as US yields go higher, but it's sort of coming from a place where there's a, a positive angle to it as well. And so you didn't see uh, a, a significant widening in spreads and you really didn't see any panicked widening in spreads. And so I think uh, we're not seeing as much uh, as, as yields are coming back down a bit lower as well, all within probably, and they're coming back down still within that sort of, you know, more central bit of the distribution. And so I don't think you're seeing a lot change in, in that overall tail risk, which credit is pricing. And what about technical forces? We've seen quite a bit of issuance take place over this week. We had a long drought in primary markets uh, for, for EM sovereign uh, dollar credit. Um, you know, how much of a drag is that? And do you think that you know, the gates are open for further uh, issuance to come? Yeah, so that is probably a factor too for credit markets. And we have seen in the last week issuance pick up for sovereigns, for example, a range of countries issued, you know, over 11 billion dollars uh, worth. And, you know, I, I guess that makes sense because as of end October, we'd only seen about 67 billion net issuance from EM sovereigns, according to, to our colleagues. Uh, report this week. And so we're running behind. We're running at quite a low level for sovereign issuance. Countries don't tend to like to come to markets where yields are volatile and rising. Uh, and so any window of stability is likely to see countries want to take advantage of that. Um, so supply has certainly increased. On the other side of the equation, the demand side of technicals has still not been great. Last week, EM had another one and a half billion of outflows. Um, and just over half of that was from hard currency funds. So 
you've got this supply comes in quickly that the demand side hasn't seen inflows in yet and yes that's probably a factor which is holding spreads from going much tighter in, in the short term there is some evidence that the daily data is getting a little bit better on the flow side um but this is against a long period of outflows and so you know we're waiting to see uh, inflows to turn more convincingly. I think it's likely, you know, there's often a lag between flows and returns. And given the returns that we've had, uh, I think it's likely that we're going to see a slightly better period of inflows in the sort of days days ahead. Uh, and that may then feed again on the, the, the uh, as you put it, like a market which looks like it's, it's ready for issuance. Um, so I think, you know, you'll then see more supply and probably that is going to weigh on spreads a bit uh, if we don't see a very significant I I increase in inflows. Uh, and that may well be a, a factor which we're talking about through the next month or so, which is, you know, things are looking OK, but maybe spreads don't, don't you know, gap tighter uh, in a way they might have otherwise done. And that brings us to the end of this JP Morgan at any rate Emerging Market Focus podcast. Thanks to you, Saad, for joining today and thank you all for listening. And we hope to have you back again with us for the next one. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please refer to JP Morgan Research reports related to its content for more information, including important disclosures. 2023, JP Morgan Chase & Company, all rights reserved. This episode was recorded on the 9th of November, 2023.